I don't know. We're talking about talking Kills about for Adventure we're podcast. We're, podcast. We're talking about it right now. Yes, the podcast. We're taping. <laughs> this is going live, people. This is the Kills for Adventure podcast introduction. And it's going to be epic because we're just not... You've wanted to do this for a long time. Wanted to do it for a long time. And like, I love... Let's not lie. Like, a lot of it's going to be based on runners. Right. And running, because that's my adventure. That's, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But there's a whole world of people out there that are doing cool things in the outdoors and in the indoors. we got a lot of big ideas. Absolutely. I got a, I got a ton of ideas. And so, yes, it's the Kills for Adventure podcast. A lot of running, uh, a lot of adventure, hearing people's stories, but then also hear about getting better, like a lot of self-improvement type things. Right. Megan. Perspective. Perspective. Um, Motivation. But a, but a full throttle type thing. Let's go. I'm, I'm pumped. And uh, we'll, we'll put the plug out for our two great sponsors. Yeah. K-Electric. Yep. For all your electrical needs. Sure. And then Runner PT. Yeah. Christy's amazing. She is amazing. And we already have an interview taped with one of her patients. Yes. And it's going to be awesome once I can filter out the background noise. Right. Uh, so if you're an athlete or you're not an athlete and you just like to go out and walk and enjoy the outdoors and you're injured. Christy's your girl. Christy's. Runner her, PT. She's your physical therapist that will get you back going. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if your electricity's shot, <laughs> you just got to call Paul. Or if you just have issues and you as a homeowner have no clue what you're doing. Right. Paul's your guy. Paul's your guy. Like, he's the electrician's electrician. Yep. So, yes. K-Electric, Runner PT, great sponsors. Uh, but the podcast, um, we're going to have fun with it. Maybe an episode a week. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, but I promise they'll all be good and they'll all be interesting and they're going to be different stories. And so, uh, we'll use this as also as our lead-in for this week's yeah. episode because it's going to play right after this. And so, we're going to drop this intro and then the first episode is I'm coming out. I'm not really sure how we beat this first interview. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> coming out of the gate strong. For sure. Like sprinting. Uh, yeah. It's like sprinting the first mile of a marathon. Like, right. Um, what not to do, but what to do. But what to do. And like, if this is any indication of how the podcast is going to go, it's going to be. It's going to be a fun uh, ride. It's going to be a great ride. Uh, but today's episode, when it drops, listen to it. PG, Phil Green, um, it's like a life-changing episode. Like, I sat there and like... I cried through the majority of it, so... And we were at a bicycle bar <laughs> in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Like bicycle, yes. Yep. Eating, not a biker bar. Right, not a biker bar. Bicycle bar. No cuts, or what was it? No, no cuts or colors. No cuts or colors. No, it's like a bike bar. Yep. Like a bicycle bar. Um, but so we went out visit my sister and she knew a gentleman from the running community um who is currently um i don't want to spoil the whole thing nope. but he's gonna let it go but he's battling cancer yep. and that four. and stage four cancer and that's the hook because he doesn't get into it for a few minutes and then he goes in and he's going to talk about the cancer and how he got the diagnosis and what he does when he's going through his treatments yep. is like inspiring stuff like i i, I was getting like getting chills Perspective. Uh, okay. It puts everything into perspective. And so um, the episode's like 56 minutes, but you have to listen to the whole thing. 
because it just warms up. The first few minutes is warm up. Like, even without the cancer, the episode would have been... Epic. Like, he, he was a... Don't spoil anything. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it, but just make sure you listen to it. Um, we'll pump it out. Not sure how it's all going to pump out or, and what we're going to do with it, but we're just going with the flow. Um, the language on it, there might be a few swear words in there, but... Right, earmuffs. You know what? If you got stage four cancer, you can say whatever you want. That is true. All right, so check it out. Listen to it. Um, give us some feedback somehow. <laughs> we, don't we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing, but that's all right. We'll see it. We'll figure it out. We always do. All right, enjoy. All right, we are live. Kills for Adventures. We've gone mobile. We're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, I think I've got a way to filter out the background noise. Okay. And so we got a whole host of uh, people here to grill with your questions. PG. Right? That's fine. All sure. right. PG. Some people call me Phil. <laughs> Some people call you Phil, but what, what's the G? G. PG. Green. Yep. Philip Green. Philip Green. All right. I can't wait to do this. Like, I've been planning this. I've talked to my sister about it. We've talked about getting you on here because uh, I, I think you are going to be the epitome of what this podcast is about. And so let's start back at the beginning, like where you started, like running and things like that. You just started to tell a cool story. So you're a forest. Yeah, so I've had a, I guess, a, probably a pretty interesting life. Um, not to go back too far, but I started, uh, I got a degree in forestry from Colorado State, um, fought wildland fires all through college, and then after that I went down to Rio Doso, New Mexico. Uh, my first job out of college was working for the Smokey Bear Hotshot Crew. Uh, did that for five months. Had a really bad back injury that kind of ended my career in that world. Did you jump out of the planes? No, so... so Smoke. There's, there's, there's level. There, there's basically um, two two types of fire fire crews. There's type one and there's type twos. And type one is basically hot shots and smoke jumpers. It's kind of like the uh, best way to compare it would be like special forces, right? You have Navy SEALs and you have Green Berets. Um, smoke jumpers jump out of a plane. Uh, hot shots are more like Army Rangers. And then there are hella repellers that repel out of helicopters. Um, usually you have to be on a hotshot crew for about five years before you go jump. Um, and that would have been the plan. I would, but you get a lot, you make a lot more money and you see a lot more fire on hotshot crews. Um, so I, that was kind of the plan, but I ended up having a really bad back injury. I sliced a nerve in my L5 and I had to do a long stint in the hospital and rehab and all that good stuff. So I thought we were going to talk about running and cool stuff, but like this, yeah, this is the ultimate. And so, how, many, how long did you do this for? Uh, well, I fought fires for five years, but I was only on a hot shot crew for a year. Um, there was a movie, Only the Brave, where they, a bunch of guys, a hot shot crew out of Arizona, a bunch of guys got killed. killed. That, yeah, yes. that, was, that was the world. Um, when I was doing it, there was 50 crews of 20 people. Um, so only about 1,000 hot shots at the time. Now there's about 2,000. Uh, really neat group of people, very elite group of people. I mean, we... When we played ultimate frisbee, you know, people went to the hospital. You know, very competitive. Um, we worked. We we literally you worked six months out of the year. Um, I think that year I'd done fifteen hundred hours overtime in just five months before I got hurt. So you were never home. You were never home at all. Um, you know, just we flew around in helicopters, drove around, and fought fire. <laughs> Pretty fun gig. That's one hundred percent badass. All right. So really quick, how old are you? I am forty six now. 
Okay. Yep. So you graduated from college in what year then? I graduated college in 1998. Um, so then I, after I got hurt, I kind of got away from my athletic life. Um, I was a little, I was pretty scared. I, I'd had a lot of injuries in my life, but the back injury really scared me. I, I did nerve damage. I sliced the nerve and I, I kind of got out of that, that world, right? And doing what I really love to do. Had kids, moved back to Indiana. Um, when I was 40, I kind of decided to get my, I guess, kind of get my, my core being back in, back in my life. Um, so I decided to run. I decided to start running. The reason I decided to start did, running. Did you run when you were younger? Like, no, I was. Okay. A ten, I was. You said tennis player. Yeah, I was a tennis player growing up. Yep, yep, absolutely. I was a tennis player growing up. Maybe every once in a while I'd run a mile because our coach would make us. But I was not a fan of running. I mean, I liked running from, you know. 20 feet (laughs) that was about it run to the fridge yeah yeah for sure right yeah and you know we practiced long hours playing tennis but it was that's a that's a fast twitch sport right you know it's very different than what i do now okay so you picked running up at 40 yeah at 40 um you know listen to a lot of podcasts um and you know everybody always one of the big themes i got out you know was you should do something you hate kind of challenge yourself right so I hated running at the time, and I thought, what the hell, I'll start. I'll try to start running. I started running maybe like a half mile to a mile, and then I started progressing, and I started to like it. Um, I felt it was very, to me, it was kind of like very meditative. You know, you'd be out there, be in your own thoughts. You can listen to a podcast. You can listen to a book. It was, it was great. It was a great way to kind of get out of the house and be back in nature again. Um, so I kind of progressed. I ran my first 5K that I ever ran. I think I ran it at 24 minutes at the time. Um, and then, yeah. Sure. You're, I, the, you're legit. Yeah. I started, uh, I, I ran a half, a half marathon. I think I ran my first half, maybe 155. I went into running over to two. Then I did a half Ironman at the time. I can't even, maybe 530 was my time, somewhere in that range. And then at that point, I had started doing better in like the local 5Ks and, so, and then the kind of like the competitive juices started to kick in and I started liking running enough that I thought you know I, and then I thought I started doing decent 5Ks maybe winning you know winning my age group or placing the top three um, and then I decided to do a marathon and I um, I my first marathon was Indy and I thought well if I'm going to run Indy or I'm gonna run a marathon I'm going to have a goal right so, you know, everybody talks about Boston, and I'm like, well, shit, you know, I might as well, might as well have a goal to, to, to make it to Boston, right? So I kind of went and looked at all, you know, what you needed to do for time. Um, you know, I went, I went and got the, got the Hanson's Marathon book, kind of plotted it out, and I'm like, well, hey, you know, I need to be at least under 315 for my age group. 320 was a qualifying time. I figure I need a five-minute cushion. Um, I had met a good buddy in Cedar Rapids that was – he had we you know when we started training for this thing we started in probably May and he had just run grandmothers and he had missed he had missed the Boston and I said hey you know why don't you train with me and we, you know I'm trying to my parents live in Indy we can go out there and we can stay with him um, and he was game for that you know so we trained we did the whole Hanses program together and a great beautiful day everything went right from a marathon standpoint the weather was great um, I ran 310 42. 
You're, 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 your first Let's marathon. Rewind. This is your first one. Yes. Your yeah. first marathon. Yeah. You qualified for Boston. I did. And you yes. ran 310. I know that's going to piss some people off. That's a little bit of a cushion. Yeah, I'm know. sorry. 310.42. So I had a 918 cushion. Running, after for the first 40 years of your life, you don't run distance. Never. Yeah, that's you my first it, marathon. You I feel sure. like on half Ironman also. But. You pick it up, you run a few 5Ks, you do a half marathon, a half Ironman, and then you decide, ah, I'm going to go qualify for Boston. You get a book, and then you do it. <laughs> I, yeah. And here we are. <laughs> and, and a good, and a good uh, you know, a good uh, commercial for the Hanson's Marathon. I know, but I love this If you story. haven't read it, it's a great book, and it works, you know. So, and my, my, and my buddy qualified, um, he's... A little bit younger than me. He's 36. Um, he he ran sub three. Um, so yeah, I qualified for Boston. That's the 2019, right? And then the shit kind of hits the fan, you know, COVID and all this craziness, right? So I finally get to, and as you guys well know, um, thank God I had a 918 qual, you know, a cushion because you know that that Boston you ended up being the fastest Boston ever, and you had to have a 730. I think it was 738 cushion, right? So I qualified. First Boston was in October um, 2021. It was awesome. Super psyched, right? You guys have been, I mean, it's unbelievable. So I go out to Boston um, and uh, back up just a little bit. So the story really gets interesting for me is um, October, I went in for my routine physical. October what year? October 2021. Okay. Yep. So last October, my... My uh, my primary doctor is a lady by the name of Alicia Allen. Really neat person. I've always respected her, always loved her. And, she, and I go in, and you know, blood works fine, all that good stuff. And I'm like, she's like, hey, Phil, you have to get your colonoscopy this year. It's just changed. Three months, it changed from 50 to 45. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm really healthy. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, get ready to go on Boston. Like, well, you don't have to do it before Boston. I'll get it scheduled. And I'm like, oh, well, I got three months to get out of this damn thing. I'm not going to do you know, like, you know, I'll push this thing off. So I go out and run Boston, have time in my life. Um, I went out by myself, uh, met a bunch of great people while I was out there, as, as you always do at Boston, right? Come back. Um, I didn't run that well at Boston the first time. I think I learned... You can watch it on YouTube, and you can hear about the downhill part, how it's going to affect you. It's deceptive. It'll, it'll tear the shish yes. out of you yes. the first half. Everyone, like, the first half is like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And I ran a great first half, right? I ran, like, 130. Everyone, everyone yeah. a great Felt first great. Half. Got to mile 18. Shit hit the fan, right? right. Quads were shredded. Um, I, you know, there was, there was some walking that happened in the last five, six miles for sure. Um, I ran 344. Um, so I, and, and that was kind of, you know, I didn't do everything. Everybody told me to enjoy the first Boston, right? So, I mean, hell, the night before I was, uh, I, um, the Red Sox were playing a playoff game, 13 innings, you know, I'm on my feet. I'm having the time of my life, you know, Boston fans. How good did you get a hot dog there? I did. I did. I had so. Did they wrap him in the bread? Nine thirty at night. I come out of there, and there's a guy. There's a guy serving like hot Italian sausages yep. with the green peppers and onions. And I'm like, this is probably the worst thing to ever eat the night before Boston. I'm like, screw it. I ate it. I didn't have any issues with it. <laughs> but um, and you'll get a kick out of this. Um, 
so when I get off the bus at Boston, I look down and the hair is like standing up on my on my arms, right? And I and I check my Garmin and my pulse rate's already 110, and I'm like, this is not a good sign, right? You know, I'm the adrenaline is just flowing. And, you know, first half went great, but again, second half didn't go so hot. So I come home and I decide, hey, I kind of want to get serious. I'm going to run Boston April. I kind of want to get serious about this, right? You know, I want to run better, right? I wanted right. to, I wanted to really run it this time, right? So I got a coach through McCurdy Train. Um, Kim Kim Conley is my coach. Super neat person. She's two-time Olympian, 5,000, 10,000 meter. Really, she's not only Olympian, but she's turned out to be a world-class person. Um, so I go in. I uh, finally my my damn doctor, God love her. She actually scheduled the colon. You know, she got me on the books for the colonoscopy. They called me up and like, hey. You know, you're scheduled for January 5th. I'm like, okay, great. So, typical Iowa day, wasn't real nice. Um, 20 mile an hour wind, you know, 15, 20 degrees. I go in for a routine colonoscopy. Um, Just so everybody knows out there, I think it's really important. I had no symptoms whatsoever. That'll lead into this story. Um, I was in great shape. I mean, you know, as good a shape as as good a shape as you ever ever could be in, right? I go in and get my routine colonoscopy. Um, I wake up in recovery, and um, I don't remember all this, but I'm getting a lot of questions from from the surgeon. Hey, you know, do you have any blood in the stool? Do you have you had any symptoms? No, no, no. You know, I said, you know, listen, man, I just ran the Boston Marathon. You know, I got to sneak that into every cost, you know, every, oh, yeah, every conversation, it, like, right? You know, like come on, right? I'm in great shape. Like right? Phil, I'm Joe. Yeah, I ran the Boston Marathon. <laughs> exactly, it's on the resume. Exactly. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah. My license plate says Boston Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little Boylston sticker on it, right? Oh, absolutely. So I, he's looking at me and he's like, he's like, well, he goes, um, wait, I need you to go do a blood test. And then they sent me to talk to a care counselor, which I had no idea what a care counselor is. But it's really somebody that's kind of it's going to guide you through the cancer process. Um, and she says to me, literally, I'm half in the bag from recovery. She's like, hey, Phil, tomorrow we're going to get the results of your biopsy and you're going to be a survivor. You're, and I'm like, what? Are you like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Exactly. I'm like, you know, what's going on? And my wife's looking at, you know, like, you know, this is kind of, you know, this is interesting, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, this guy's probably seen a lot of colonoscopies. He, he knows cancer when he sees it, right? So then... The next day, things really start getting interesting. Um, I find out I have a five-centimeter mass on my on my colon, um, and things kind of progress from there. So then they, you know, you get a CT and MRI and all that good stuff. So I get my CT and my MRI, um, and I come back and I have seven spots on my liver, um, and that makes it stage four. So things start getting really interesting. And you're feeling good, right up. And I feel great. Yeah, literally for. So this happens January 6th. Literally, um, you know, you get a kick out of this, you understand this. I did speed work, my regular speed work. I ran, so, you know, we're starting we're starting to get ready for, for Boston April, right? I just ran my best PR, my best 5K ever, you know, getting an order. So I ran 18.30. That was my, that was my, my milestone, right? That's where we're going to set my training off. So that was sub three pace, a little under sub three pace. I was feeling awesome. I literally ran the first three weeks um, after I had my colonoscopy. I did all my speed work. I was hitting all my stuff. 
felt great, right? Absolutely still felt great at this point. No issues whatsoever. Um, so when stage four, they give you this little speech. I call it the speech, right? They tell you what your odds are. I go in, I talk to my local oncologist, and he says, all right, here's the deal. Um, good news is, he says, in, in five years, or no, in two years, you have a 50% chance of being alive. But in five years, you have a 25% chance of being alive, which is pretty, pretty sobering, right? It's pretty powerful. Um, so, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, this is real. Um, but some good news came out of that conversation. So it scared, scared the crap out of you. And I had to go out in the waiting room and kind of, I told my wife, I said, hey, I need to sit down. You know, I got to take this in for a little bit. But at that point, he said, hey, we got to go to the Mayo Clinic. So January 5th, 25th, I get to Mayo. And the outlook's a little, much different. My, my team at Mayo, that's all they do is colorectal surgery. So, you know, you know, um, they do colon cancer and anal cancer. That's that's all they do. Whereas my guy here, he does every kind of cancer. Right? So we get there and we get a plan. And he says, "Hey, you know, I, I think based on what I'm looking at, this is survivable. You know, we'll, you know, we, we we can make this we can make this happen." Um, so the plan consisted of I was going to do chemo for about five weeks, and then I was going to have a major surgery on my colon, my liver. Well, the good news was I'm looking at the time plan, and you do chemo every two weeks, and I'm doing the math in my yeah, head. Yeah, figuring out your training schedule. <laughs> I'm doing the math in my head. son of a bitch. And all I, How did this fit in? Yeah, and all I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, there's a gap between when I get my scans before surgery and, and, uh, and, and my chemo, and that's April 18th. It's right in the middle of this gap, right? So the... One of the things, a lot of good things, a lot of weird things happen, right? So first thing I ask them is, I'm like, hey, you know, I qualify for the Boston Marathon. Um, you know, you don't get so many chances to qualify. Right, I got something to do. Right. I'm like, you know, what do you, what do you guys think? And they didn't say no. And I've been in sales my long time. So I'm like, I took that as a yes, right? So he goes, well, we'll just think about how it goes, Phil. I'm like, all right, screw it. You know, that's a green light for me. Right. right? So I, I called my coach and I said, hey, here's the deal. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm going to have to do chemo um, every two weeks. And we're just going to have to work it out. And thank God my coach had coached a girl um, in college. She had done some coaching in college. She coached a girl that had brain cancer, and she had a, like, not a template, but she at least understood it, right? And she was, she was awesome. I love her to death to this day. She said, we'll just work it out. You know, there's going to be days that you can run, and there's going to be days that you can't run, right? So what ended up happening is the first week of chemo was really tough on me, and then I could run the second week. Um, just to add some, I don't know, just to, some color to my chemo. The first four four rounds that I had chemo, I had a really rough time, and I didn't know what was going on. And you know, it's I'm a marathon runner. I've done some interesting stuff. It was just, hey, well, you know, you got to suck it up. This is what you're going through, right? So the first night that I have chemo, I wake up at three in the morning and I feel like I get stabbed. I literally went from zero to one hundred in the pain scale. You know, absolute. I wake up in the middle of the night. I have sweat pouring down my face. I tell my wife to get out of bed. I'm holding her hand, and this lasts for about five or six minutes. So we call the oncologist. They have a 24-hour line, and I call him, and he says, Hey, you know, you're probably just anxious. It's your first night of chemo. I'm like, I've never been anxious in my life. This is not that, but okay, I'll go back to bed. Right? 
So, second round of chemo comes up two weeks later. Same thing happens three o'clock in the morning. I have the same thing, right? And chemo stacks on its on itself, so it gets worse and worse as it goes. Um, so that happens again. It happens again about twelve hours later. Go back in and talk to my team. And they're like, well, maybe you're having gas issues like I was building up. So I changed my diet. I did all this crap. I ate Melba toast and chicken noodle soup for, oh, that sounds horrible. for a week. For two weeks, right? It was horrible. Third round. Same damn thing happens again. I call the guy and he, I call the guy again at 3 in the morning. He's like, ah, oh, you're having a heart attack. I'm not having a heart attack. Okay. This is all happening in my gut. I don't have any pain in my left arm. I don't have any pain in my heart. I'm not having a heart attack, right? So I'm like, oh, great. This is great. So it keeps about, then at that point it was happening about every 12 hours I would have this attack. So the fourth round comes around, and 10 o'clock at night, the attack started a little earlier than that, right? I had three attacks in a row. My wife's like, I've had enough of this shit. We're going to the ER. So I go to the ER, and um, my blood pressure is normally 120 over 75, and I make great health, right? Resting pulse rate, 45, or whatever, right? I go in, my blood pressure is 200 over 160. It's like my sister's daily. So not good, right? Um, the ER doctor, since I presented with these symptoms, didn't look at it. He, he looked at it differently. He said, hey, okay, I'm going to give you these tests. So he, one of the tests that he gave me in my blood test, when he tested my lipase numbers, and lipase tests for pancreatitis, um, and I, uh, normal lipase is 250, uh, 400 is when they put you in the hospital. I was at 1200. Um, so okay. yeah, so it wasn't good. Um, so I, I end up spending four days yeah. in a hospital. Yeah. Um, I'm getting shots in my stomach cause, um, they want to make sure I didn't have a stroke. Um, but that in itself turned out to be a good thing too. So they take me off this drug that's obviously having an effect, right? But what we think was happening, my cousin's a cancer researcher for a huge cancer company. What we think ultimately was happening that was causing the pancreatitis is my liver was not fil filtering the chemo fast enough. So it was almost like I was getting a 150% or 200% dose. So almost a very toxic dose that was causing this pancreatitis. The good news about that is that the chemo worked remarkably well. I had a, what they called a rare response to, to the chemo. So I do the fifth week, which I don't have all the crap with. I just do a normal fifth week, right? And uh, then it's time to go run Boston, which I've been training the whole time. And I'm like, I'm going. There's no way I'm not going, right? So I get to this point. Training's gone well enough. I'm like, hey, I can go. I can run Boston. I had some friends to run with there. I, 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 I'm an online running group called the Boston Buddies. There's like 50,000 people there. You go to a shakeout run there, and there's, there's 500 of us, right? So I go to Boston, and back up a little bit for this. Um, We're good. You want to edit this out, but so one of the things that I did, and this isn't this isn't new. This is very new to me. Um, I have never like ran for charity or anything like that. I've always, you know, if you ask me to, you know, hey, you got a good cause, I'll write you a check, right? But I you know I've always felt like I was super busy, and and I just I didn't. Volunteering was not on my radar. Or, right. You know, it just wasn't, right? So I think to myself, so the first day of chemo, I get this backpack. 
um, from a family. And the name of their foundation is I Know Jack. And Jack was a five-year-old patient. When, when he was five years old, he gets, he gets brain cancer. Um, he goes through hell and back. He's, he's, he's alive at 23, but he's, he's, his life is not, is not easy, right? But he's alive, and that's huge, right? So I get this backpack, and it, tells, it gives you all these neat stuff for cancer that, that you're, that you're going to use, and you know, blankets, and a nice water bottle, and you know, just things that are nice, right? And I think to myself, here I am on my first day of chemo, and this family has been through hell and get this gift from this family. I just think, you know, how cool is that, right? So I'm going through probably one of the worst days I've had in a long, long time, probably the worst days of my life. And here this family is, and they've gone through hell, and they're, they try to make my day a little better. So Jack also went to a cancer camp, a children's cancer camp, and I, I thought, well, hey, here, here I have this awesome platform, right? I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. I'm like, well, let's try, let's try to do something good with it, right? So we did two things. So we started a fundraiser for I Know Jack Foundation and Children's Cancer Connection. And where's, where's he from? From Cedar, Cedar Rapids. Oh, he's from yep. Cedar Rapids? Yep. Yeah, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, and then the second thing we did was... We have, when, when you have cancer, a major illness, right, people always ask, well, what can we do for you? That's the first question to ask. What can we do for you? And to be quite honest with you, we have an unbelievable boss. I have an unbelievable job. I got great support from friends and family. I mean, my support in Iowa, I mean, you know, this is God's country. People treat you, you know, they, they treat you very well. Um, so I didn't love you go to a Hawkeye football game. Yeah, yeah, that might be different, right? <laughs> For sure. If you go in red, right? Yeah. It was not good. Um, so we thought about it, and what we came up with was we wanted to be able to raise awareness for people to get their colonoscopy um, because right now under 50 uh, colon cancer is the number one killer and we, we wanted to we wanted to help some people out right so we came up with this concept that you can count all your five best friends on one hand right um, so we came up with a foundation uh, we're going to start a foundation it's a, it's a website and a, kind of a movement right now it's called tell five friends and the whole idea behind that is we want people to take my story. You know, here's this guy that had no symptoms, right? People don't like getting colonoscopies. And if they could take my story and they could say, hey, if it could happen to him, it could happen to anyone, right? Because I was not the poster child for stage four cancer. I was the last person, you know, last person anybody would have thought, right? So we decided to do that. We get a lot of press and we get a lot of really goodwill and people put my story out there and did, 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 did a couple of podcasts and our whole goal was just to save one life right um, so we actually very early on we were able to do that um, one of our good friends wives was 39 and she had had symptoms for years a couple of years she wasn't going to go in and get a colonoscopy and this kind of pushed her over the edge to get a colonoscopy she came back with stage 3 cancer and I know that sounds Terrible. The stage three versus stage four is two different outcomes, and it's it's a lot better than you think. Yep. Um, so, first person that we ended up saving their life was probably in our tell five friends group. You know, yeah. right? Um, we've had a lot of people come back and tell us. You know, I've probably had over two hundred fifty friends or community members get a colonoscopy. Okay. Probably. 
Yeah, 25 of those people have had precancerous polyps. That's 25 people's lives that we've probably saved if they didn't go in. Um, we ended up saving, we ended up raising $13,000 for the I Know Jack and Children's Cancer Connection. So I didn't realize it at the time, but that ended up being a huge, huge win for me. Um, all the you know support I got from other people, and it took my mind off of cancer. Right, we were raising money and doing something good. Right, so that turned out to be one of the biggest blessings of this whole deal. Um, and it just, I mean, it's just been awesome. Um, so I go to have a sur- I go to have my surgery. I have living. In- they cut me open. You know, pretty. I got a twelve inch scar. Nine days in the hospital. They cut out all the cancer. Everything's fine. Um, I have about a three-month recovery. I didn't get to run for three months. I had signed up for Chicago the year before, but I had deferred because, you know, everybody did their marathons last year in 2021. So I I was going to Boston. I wasn't going to Chicago. So I deferred to 2022. And I thought, well, you can only defer one time. And I'm like, it's a world major. What the hell? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to run it, right? So... August comes along, I can start running again. Um, so I decided, what the hell, I'm gonna give it a shot. I started chemo again in August. Um, I do two rounds of chemo, and then I go back and I have, I'm running, everything's going fine. I mean, I'm running fast or anything like that. Uh, so I go back to Mayo to have some scans. Um, my scans did not go well. Um, I had two spots that showed up in my liver. They were probably there during the surgery. They just couldn't see them. Um, cancer has to get a certain amount before it shows up on the scan. This is something I didn't really realize about cancer. So they had to do, I got scheduled for another surgery, an ablation surgery where they go in with this needle and they use radio waves and they basically burn it off. Um, so this is about, oh, three weeks before the Chicago Marathon, which is October 9th. Um, the surgery was a little bit more depth than I thought. I thought it was going to be like a two-hour surgery. It ended up being five hours. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I get out of there. I only had to take a week off. And, and I go out and I ran Chicago with my friend. But the cool thing was, since I had to have surgery, yet they take you out the chemo drugs. So I get a break. Another, you know, I don't know, another divine intervention deal. I get another break for a marathon, right? I get a four-week break. So I'm able to train that whole four weeks, besides the week I had surgery. We go out and I run Chicago. Um, I survived Chicago. Uh, yeah, I ran the first half, the 155. Um, I was running with a friend, and I, my thought was, if I get to the first half, I know I can make it, right? If I run in 155, I got four and a half hours, and I can, I can, walk, I can walk that darn thing in, right? So then we, we party raced it in. We took a lot of pictures, a ton of pictures. Um, I got to about. I've never, heard, yeah. I've never heard that term before. Party race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took pictures all over the place. Yes. I ran with a, a lady from the UK who's also uh, ha- happens to be from Finland or originally. She took pictures with the US flag, yes. the Finnish flag, the you know the the, the the UK flag. We took pictures every stop of the way. You know the bands, so much Chinatown. Yeah. You know, voice. Yeah. We took pictures everywhere. Right. We took pictures with our friends. We stopped and took video. We had new friends. Absolute blast, right? Um, I get to about mile 20, and I'm like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> this is, a long way to go. I'm like, you know, I've done some dumb stuff in my life, but this, I don't know if this is the best idea, but I only had six miles left, right? So we ran, walked it in. Um, 
and I had a friend, which made it a lot easier. Um, and, you know, we basically we survived it. We had, I mean, and I was very glad that I did it. Um, I didn't run real fast. I think I ran a 440, something like that. But my thought was, hey, there's only so many people that have ran two major marathons the same year that they were doing treatment for stage four cancer. And I figured even if something happens to me, right, you know, I could tell my, I could tell my, you know, they could put it on my, they could put it on my tombstone that I ran two majors when I was at stage four cancer. What the hell, right? Um, so they, that, that kind of brings us up to speed to kind of where we're at now. Um, I'm still in active treatment. I have two more runs, two more rounds of chemo to go. And then hopefully come January, I will go up and I'll get rescans. And I'll, you know, my goal is to just have a year where I'm fine and I could go run and do fun stuff. And, um, you know, my bucket list is probably sped up much quicker than it was in the past you know now my goal is always to run the six major marathons um now the only difference is we will raise money for 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 our foundation and we'll raise money for cancer charities along the way um which has just been awesome i've met so many people in the cancer community that are runners okay the foundation's name again tell five friends tell five friends yep how can people support it tell five friends.org and we yep we have a link there or you can support us. Um, the biggest thing you can do if you're listening to this and you're over 45, I am. You need to get your colonoscopy. I did. And if you're delaying it, you do it. And then the other thing I would bring up is, is if you're under 45 and you're having symptoms, and just so everybody out there knows, if you're under 45, that's the number one cancer killer right now is colon cancer, and and that they shouldn't have, they probably should have moved it up to 40. But insurance will only let them move it to 45. If you're having symptoms, the number one symptom is hemorrhoids, constant hemorrhoids, blood in the stool, cramps, anything like that. You need to go in and talk to your doctor about getting a colonoscopy. How often are guys supposed to get? If you're okay at 45, it's every five years. Five years? Yeah, after that. But I, I mentor a girl who's 27. She's a marathon runner, too. She, she was diagnosed at 27. I know another girl that's 32. One of the people that mentors with me, she was 39. Like mentor, like a, like a can, cancer mentor? Yeah, yep. Kind of help you through the process. Yep. Did you have a mentor? I did, yep. I have a mentor. Her name's Robin. She got colon cancer at 39. She'd had symptoms for a year. Um, she, she had severe cramping for a year. And nobody could figure it out. She went to a new OB. And her OB said, Robin, you don't have your period for a year. She's like, have you ever thought about cancer? Well, I never thought about cancer at all, right? So they get her in for for colonoscopy, huge mass. Um, They, stage four, liver mets, just like me. Um, She's she's alive 10 years later. But if that OB would not have been thinking on her toes, she would have most definitely been dead. No question about that. Um, so yeah, I, I've had people mentor me, so I try to pay it forward and mentor them, um, just to walk them through, you know, different things. I don't know. I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but sure. I, how do you do it? I look. I would look at myself, and I would like get the cancer diagnosis. I would be pissed. I'd be pissed off the world. Yet you like are hard charging mofo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, who goes and runs marathons through chemo? And like, 
Hill. There, there's never like, uh, did you ever go through like a downtime where you're like at a pity party or anything like that? Because like, you've like taken something that's, that, that couldn't be any more negative, yet you found a way to make it positive. I mean, there, my whole philosophy in the beginning was to take it one day at a time. Um, there have definitely been times where I have a bad day. And I have enough good people in my life that are hard charging people that'll just say to me, you know, hey, you, you know, you got to get your ass back in, back in the fight here, and realize, you know, that your attitude matters. Um, I said to myself very early on that attitude was going to be a huge piece, and my running was my way of fighting back. It was a way of me saying, hey. You know what? I can't. I I could take all the drugs and I could do the chemo and all that crap, but it was my way of saying, you know what? This cancer um, wants to thinks it can stay in my body. It isn't getting a free ride. It was my, my way of fighting it, right? Um, so that was huge for my psyche. And you know, and there there were days where I couldn't run at all. There were days, you know, I went. One of my goals when I first got. Uh, cancer was to go I had a ski vacation planned with my kids in Sun Valley and I'm like I'm going on that ski vacation I'm going to run the Boston Marathon that was my two goals right and I got out to ski ski vacation I was in the middle of treba, treatment and one of my cancer drugs makes you it's really cold sensitive it gets you neuropathy and it was 45 degrees out there and I'm skiing in a full face mask and goggles but I got to ski right and the great thing about cancer is Sure, when you first get it, you think, man, this really sucks, right? But you realize really fast the clock is ticking, and it gives you, cancer gives you a really good gift of perspective. When they said, when they said, uh, 50% after, yeah. like, is that just like, fuck, so, we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta go. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the, the thing that I thought was, that's just, to me, it was just a statistic, and I thought, well, when they look at that 50%, they're not looking at people like me. They're not looking like somebody that's in great shape, that exercises well, you know, that, that, that takes care of their body. I'm like, you know, go find me a bunch of people that ran the Boston Marathon and have stage 4 cancer, and then tell me what the odds are, right? You're comparing me to people that may be 70 years old that may have comorbidities and different things. So I thought, to me, that was just a number. And, you know, and things could... I could do everything right and I could still die. A lot of great people do, right? And then a lot of people are in great shape. But I just thought, you know, if I'm going to fight this thing, I'm going to fight it from a positive aspect. I, and the other thing I thought about, I have two kids, and I thought really early on, when you're going through hell and you're going through the worst time of your life, you want to set example for your kids, right? And I, you know, I've been a sales sales leader and sales manager my whole life. I, all I've told people is to be positive and fight through things, right? I felt like if I didn't do that and I didn't make an example for my kids, I was gonna be a real fucking hypocrite, right? And I didn't want my kids to go. He used cancer as an excuse to just sulk and feel bad about himself or what that. I told them early on, I said, this is not an excuse for you to get bad grades, screw up in school, you know, to not do your activities, not do those things. And I tried to set that example. Now, there was times where my kids thought that cancer was no big deal whatsoever. Right. Well, we kind of got a little far, right? right. You know, I had, when I came home from my surgery, I didn't want them to see me in the hospital. I never let them see me. Anytime I've been in the hospital, I've never let my kids come see me. I just don't want them to see me in that state. 
But when I did come home from the hospital, I showed him my, I showed him my my stitched up, Absolutely. you know, abdomen, right? Abdomen. And they're like, and that kind of made it real, like, oh wow, you know, that, that doesn't look real good, right? Um, but that was a huge thing for me was to set an example for my kids. And I want, you know, if, if it, things turn out bad or if they still turn out bad, I want my legacy to be that my kids know that faced with the biggest shit storm dad had ever had, that he, that he tried to walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, so that, you know, it's a great question. Right. That's so like, kind of look at So, it. like, we're, we're running this morning, and, like, it, it, it's not very cold out, but I always complain that it's cold out and stuff like that. And I was telling these guys, like, like... And I, I knew your, a little bit of your story, but, like, everything's changed here. Like, I sit there, and we bitch and complain about stupid things and take the things that we take for granted. And, like, I, I look at you, and it's a reminder, like, no wasted days. No wasted days. I don't, take, I don't take any day for granted. When I wake up in the morning, I say, I'm happy to be alive. When I go to bed at night, I thank God that I'm alive. I thank God that I get to wake up the next day and have another day. People ask, you know, runners have mantras, right? You know, when you, things are getting tough. My mantra now is, I get to run. There is somebody that I know, and I have a lot of people that are in my friend group now that have stage four cancer. You know, I have a great friend right now, is the toughest woman you'll ever meet in your life. Unbelievable person. I mean, unbelievable. And, you know, she's, she's, she's having a tough time, right? So I look at it and I say, you know what? There, everybody, there are people that I know that are in chemo or they're in a hospital bed, and I'm not in those today. So anything I get to do today, whether it's I get to go run, I get to go to my kids' activities, that is a huge win because there's somebody out there that's suffering way worse than I am, right? And so I, so I just try to look at it. Every day I wake up and I say, it's a gift, and cancer gives you that it, it's a it's a gift. That part's a gift. I mean, people say to me all the time, you know, I went and gave a speech for a big cancer company, drug company, and they're like, man, how, you know, like, the question you ask, how can it be so positive about this? Well, I mean, I'm positive because I get to wake up every freaking day. It gives me the, cancer has given me some gifts. You know, I've gotten to raise money for other cancer patients. I've gotten to tap into things that I never thought I, that I did as a person, right? You know? And I'm not no no perfect at all, you know. But just it's made me a better person. So I just get up and I look at it as, you know, and when I have shitty days, I try to get through the shitty day and just wake up the next day and be like, today is going to be better than the next. Like I'll start chemo again on Monday and it's going to suck and I hate it. But I look at it and I say I got two more rounds and hopefully I get through those two more rounds and I'll be able to start doing stuff that I love again. Okay, right? so you're not running right now. Oh, I am. Yep. Yep, I'm running. Okay, you're the, you're every the, other oh, week. You're the toughest person I know. I'm running every other week. Yep, I ran. Uh, I'll run tomorrow. I will. I'll do, yep, 27, 27 miles. Okay, let's talk about 2023. You're a calendar guy. Yep. Tell me what's on that calendar. And tell well, me what I can go do with you. Yeah, so I'm in. Couple of things. Whatever you sign up for, I'm signing yeah. up for that guy's name race. This is kind of an adventure and podcast. Supporting. Yeah, so for, first off, um, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon with Live Strong, a cancer. I know Jack's a Live Strong affiliate, um, so I was able to get a bib for that. So we'll raise money for Live Strong. Um, I uh, back in my hotshot days. I mean, forestry degree. I did a lot of climbing and skiing and stuff like that in the mountains. And I kind of left that world behind. Um, I've always wanted to climb the Grand Teton. I want to climb Mount Rainier, thing like that. I went out to, before I got cancer, 
three years ago. I went to climb the Grand Teton. We got in the middle of July, it's kind of bullshit. We got 12 inches of snow and we didn't get to go up. So I am I'm going in the up. grand scheme of things now. That's like right. Yeah, but I am. I told my wife. I told my boss. I'm like I'm going in yep. Ju- into June. It's a hard. I gotta go. Right. Um, Is it technical? It's got six pitches that are five six and above. So five six to five eight. You know. Uh, but is, I'm that not, like, is that like harnessed in and shit? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yep. You're not yep. going like Alex Honnold. You take Hon- a guy? Like, oh, yeah, I'm a guy. Yeah, okay, I'm like, you're not like going Alex Honnold and stuff like no. free solo. Yeah, no, the guide, will, the guide will lead it, and I'll be on the rope yeah. behind him. Okay. Yep, awesome. yep, for sure. Okay. So I will do that. Um, I love, you know, the other goal on my list, I want to do rim to rim to rim All with right. you guys. They, we got that's it. Yeah, we so are getting the date, and we're doing it. Yep. So that those are my three goals. You'll let us go. Um, You'll go with us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, oh, absolutely. September would be perfect. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. So that, that, that's what I want to do. And I, I really, I told my coach um, after I ran Chicago, I uh, told my friend, I said, I just want to run a marathon healthy. I I, I, I just want to run a marathon healthy. I would absolutely, probably won't happen this year. But I want to get back to Boston. Boston to me is a celebration of running. It's epic, right? All right, you don't, you don't get any better than that. So my next goal would be to re-qualify. Do you want to run a marathon in June? I don't know if in June will be... In the middle of nowhere. Just say yes. Yeah. So much fun. He's going to climb I got, a mountain I gotta see, in June. I got to see where I'm at in January. Yeah. Um, and my goal will probably be to work up to a marathon. I'd like to do like a couple of I like to do an eight-week speed session to get my speed back, you know, to kind of... But we don't have to do speed. We do a lot of walking. Yeah, no. <laughs> For this particular marathon. I'm going to take you to the most beautiful place on... Five. Okay. Where's that? Cows and Rattlesnakes. Valentine, Nebraska. <laughs> Sand Hills. My sister will show you pictures sure, of it. Sure. It's, it's amazing. Great golf out there, right? Right. You like to golf? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. do it. And then yeah. you and I can go golf. And you get an awesome prairie course. Prairie, prairie club. And you get a tube down, like, the most scenic river in Nice. I might, I might have to do that. All right, so we're got 15 minutes left, so let's pack this in. So if you guys have questions, let's. All right, so January's a big, January's a big time, right? Yep. You get a rescan. I get a rescan scan on January 11th. Um, like when you look at that, like I said, if I'm asking questions, you don't answer. Like when you look at that January 11th, do you look at it with, oh, I gotta go do this, or like, let's go, let's just find out what we need to do. Combination of both. Um, because I want to get to the point. Yeah, I want to know what's next. What, right? scare, what scares you? Um, so there's scans. They call it scanxiety. Scanxiety is real. What scares me is I go back in and they say, "Hey, Phil, we found some more cancer. Now we're going to have to do more treatment, more chemo, more surgery." And I'm right back where I started. You know, and that that scares me to death is to say I got to go redo this fight all over again because it hasn't been easy. And if I can avoid it, but there's people that are in chemo and surgeries for years and years. So, you know, I, I, I just, I want to get to January and I want to walk out of there and he says, Hey, Phil, we'll be back in three months, but for right now, you're good to go. And that, that would be huge for my psyche. Cause again, I could, then I could go, I got three months. There maybe cancer grows me in that three months, but I know I can go do whatever I want for that three months, and that would be that would be a huge gift, huge gift, for sure. 
I'm like speechless. I've done this a few times, so it makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> Do you, do you speak often to people? So I've started to, and anybody that's listening to this podcast, I would love to speak to more groups. I did my first speech to a group of 800 researchers for, um, for, for a big cancer company. My cousin's a cancer researcher, and so they invite patients in to come speak. And I, it's really cool for me because I'm getting to speak to people that basically are working every day in the lab to save my life. Yeah, and I think it was super huge for them to see somebody like me and to talk about yeah. colonoscopy, um, and it, it went awesome, and I absolutely, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to speak to a, I did that in October, right after, the, uh, the week after Chicago. Yep, the week after Chicago, something I couldn't turn down. I've done some, I'm going to do a speech for somebody in February, I'm trying to work on some others, but if anybody out there is listening, I would love the speech you know, like sales conventions, things like that. I'm not looking, you know, I don't mind getting paid. Um, and I like to get paid some, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not looking at this as something like as a career. Or I'm really trying to get the word out there on colonoscopies. You know, so, so they pay five grand for a speech. I'd do it for a thousand bucks. You know, my expenses. I, I, it's more of a, an outreach for me to go talk to people and try to save, save people's lives. And it's been super enjoyable. It's been a neat, really neat experience. Do you think your outlook would have been different if you didn't get into running? That's a great, that's a great question. That's what I'm talking I, yeah, about. That's, that's a really good question. Um, I think I've always been positive. I think getting into running when I did, I think probably saved my life because I had five years of really good fitness and getting back to like a competitive body. Um, I went into this thing, you know, that it's like going into a boxing fight, right? If you go into that fight prepared, no matter, you know, if you're staring across from Mike Tyson, you got a hell of a lot better shape, a hell of a lot better chance winning that fight if you're prepared. So I think my cancer fight probably started when I was 40. I think absolutely. Just covering up your body, like yes. going through the crap. Right. Doing the right thing. And the mental part of it, right? You talk about a marathon. A marathon is all mental, right? Or it's 80% mental at least. And that is health. This is cancer's treatment's a marathon. That's been a huge, huge win. It's great. It's a great question. I just never thought about it. But I, 100%. Yes, 100% it helped. So if somebody's sitting out there on the couch today going, hey, I want to do something or I want to get back in shape or I want to eat better, there's no time like the present to start. You know, it can make a huge difference in, in your life for sure. Even with cancer, you're doing stuff 46-year-old dudes just don't do, but you're doing it with cancer. I, you know, I go back to my hot shot days. I mean, I've always competed at higher levels and thought of myself as somebody that's willing to push it. And I looked at cancer as no different, right? Like I looked at it and I said, well, my thought was, how many people have ran two majors with stage four cancer? I'm like, and that'd be pretty cool to do, right? So I just tried to take that same mentality I had my whole, had my whole life and apply it to cancer. You know, what, what the heck, right? Have you done an ultra yet? What's that? Have you done like an ultra yet? Like, I have not. 50 nope. or 100? Nope, uh, it's on the agenda. 
Um, hope, my first thoughts will be rim to rim to rim with you guys. Yeah. 40, yeah. 48, 48 miles. Yeah, yeah. And what, 12,000? Is it right? Like crazy you're amount of elevation? You're going to love it. Like when you're sitting at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and you're looking at the the south rim and you can see the light like nine miles up. Yeah. All night. I mean, you run, you get to run at night. I mean, that, that's, that'll be my first. Um, it, was de- it was definitely something that I would look at. I'd, I love nature. I love being out in the mountains. I mean, I'd love at some point, you know, to run the Leadvilles or Western States or UTMB. Have you ever done, do that a four, have you ever done the 14ers out in Colorado when you lived there? I have. Yep, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I've climbed a couple of 14ers for sure. You've done horse tooth half marathon? I have not. I live in Fort Collins. Have you heard yeah. about it? I have, yes. Yeah, fairly new, right? It is. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. Well, it's in the year, spring. It's in April. Yes, they, what, the 50th anniversary. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Spent a lot of time at Horse Tooth when I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, what was the name of the Trailhead Bar out there? What's the other dive bar like? Tony's. Tony's. Tony's was my spot. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's telling right there. I was at Tony's before it got all fancy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's not fancy. It's yeah. not fancy one bit. <laughs> not one bit. So do you bike too? Yep, I do. Yep, I, I you bike. You Uncle Daddy. Yeah. They bike together. They've done uh, drag riding on this. Oh. I, did, I did the Horrible Hilly, the whole thing. Um, that is a bike ride in Wisconsin, 110 miles, 12,000. Did you do it the year that was like super windy? No, it was terrible. I mean, it was it was brutal. always yeah. super windy. Yeah, yeah. twelve thousand feet of elevation and one hundred ten miles. And sure. It was up what? and down. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, so look it up. It has more more elevation than um, what's the one in Colorado where they climb the um, the three peaks. Uh, I've drawn a blank. I don't know now. Joe's gonna. But it's in Wisconsin, and it has more. It has elevation. more. Uh, well, like, even like, Leadville, like we have like a state park kind of close to us, and if you go run at the state park, you get more elevation gain, but the right. ups and downs than you would at Leadville. Yeah. Because it's just running. Yeah, you run a different deal, right? All yeah. Right. Like we got to get you back to running Nebraska. We got to get yeah, him, right. we got to get him out there to be. We get matching t-shirts. All right. So like you know my sister. Like, two words that would describe my sister. It better be good. Don't mess yourself. Oh, what are you going to do? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> I would say big heart, big heart, great app. I love your Pleasant Creek. You run out there? Run yes. The yep. there? Yeah. I won the, they had like a, a race today out there. I won. The, the three of us? It's a race? It's a yeah. nine mile trail race out there today. I won it. Nice. Yeah, you three. Yep. Yep. It's a be- that's we go snowmobiling out there in the winter. Oh, nice. It's great. Yeah. Do you have a new yeah. Yeah. You don't? You should. We should go out to Morgan Creek because they turn the, the trails out there. Uh, yeah. No, let's, let's use the snowmobiles. Yeah. I like to go fast. Uh, <laughs> who inspires you? Who inspires me? You can say me. It's okay. No, I would tell you. <laughs> that's pushing it. Okay. Too far. The guy that inspires me that not a lot of people know about because. He was this when this happened. This was in the early '80s. It's my my era. Um, and hopefully you'll know about this. There, there was a guy. I'm trying to look it up. I'm Is sorry. it the guy that ran across Canada? I'm trying to get his name. I know his last name. I, I can run like him. Um, <laughs> Terry Fox. Terry Fox. Terry Fox. Unbelievable. 
19 years old, gets cancer. They amputate his, leg. Yeah, his, his leg. leg. He runs a marathon every day across Canada. Um, dies. Like gets, within sight of it. Yeah. Comes back in his lung, ends up dying. If you look at Terry Fox, every time you see a picture of him, even if he's in a hospital bed, he has a smile. He, he is. I think this is the, the biggest thing cancer has taught me is I never thought about like leaving a legacy that matters or trying to do something that matters. But now I feel like that has to be part of my why, right? So the bigger part about Terry Fox doing that from a physical standpoint was unbelievable, right? This dude's kick ass, right? His foundation that he started during that run, yes, is absolutely still going. A guy took it over. The guy that he befriended during this running, the head of at the time of the Four Seasons, CEO of Four Seasons Resort. So he builds it into a foundation. They have raised a billion dollars for cancer research to this day. A billion dollars. So that guy left a legacy of a billion dollars. For, I mean, you, you can't make If he did that today and they were in the podcast era and a multi, it would be $10 billion. That guy is absolutely unbelievable to me. And the, the legacy is left. It's just awesome. Absolutely awesome to me. Um, I think Tommy Ribs has got a really good story. For sure. That's what I told right. Tommy Ribs. Yeah. I told yeah. you about him yesterday. Yeah. Great, great story. Have um, you met him? I have not. No, I'd love to meet him. I've tried to reach out on Instagram, but, you know, those are things. I, I will, I will I reach say out. This. I, I tried to get him on the podcast. I reached out to him. Yeah. I mean, he ran two thirties, right? You know, he spent a hundred days in a chemo, a hundred days in a, I mean, in a coma, right? Um, it had a lot of damage to his lungs. He ran Boston the same year that I did, 2022. I did beat him, <laughs> and that's my one claim <laughs> thing. Yeah, he ran it in like nine hours. And granted, he has serious issues to his lungs and stuff. But I did run in 424, so you know, yeah. I got I, I could say that I beat Tommy, Tommy Ribs, and we both had stage four cancer. So I think that evens the scales, right? You know, I don't know about that, but no, I think well, he's we should ask him. Super like, cool. He should join us on the rim to rim to rim. So yeah. Tommy Ribs, if you ever hear this, between when now and next September. And that's where he got you. sick. Is that's in the where he got sick in the Grand yeah, Canyon. Absolutely. Like we want you to do rim to rim to rim with us. Yeah, it'd be epic. I, mean, I guarantee so it. Good. All right, so here's the deal. We're gonna cut this thing off. Like when you like sit down for an hour and the hour goes that fast, you know it's a good hour. But like when you end the hour and you're a better person just for listening to your I story, I know. You know what I'm saying? You don't have a good attitude. <laughs> Your blood pressure is bad. Oh, I don't. Physically, I don't. <laughs> Physically, don't. Yeah. Spiritually, spiritually, you have a great heart. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've always felt I, that. You know what, yeah. Phil? I'm going to shake your hand. Oh, thank you. I thank cannot you. wait to do rim to rim to rim with you. And all right, five. What's the name of the organization? Tell five oh, friends. Tell five friends. We're going to do that. Tommy Rivs, we're gonna pump your name out there for speakers. Like you got to get out and spread the message. I, I love like, what you're you're in, you're infectious. Like you bring good to this world. So awesome. So, thank, thank you, very you much. Phil. PG in the house. <laughs> love it. All right, I'm gonna turn this thing off. Bye. Peace out.